0: Hanging half a hundred on them at Owen Field, or the run rules on the diamond at Love's Field. We're giving you the breakdowns, the bets, and the hot takes from the perspective of two former OU athletics employees.
1: (laughs) You're listening to the Mainline Podcast with
0: Tyler Burton and Adam Jaques. Let's go! Let's go! Go!
1: let's go it's the mainline podcast he's tyler burton i'm adam johnquez we got a loaded show tonight we're talking defensive depth chart pred- uh, predictions uh pre-spring of course looking ahead to the fall season there and then we'll be talking a little bit of stickball with the Lovesfield home opening weekend happening here in norman and then of course baseball getting off to a great start against wright state lighting up the scoreboard there uh, we may talk some basketball we'll see as things unfold unfortunately our recording time Uh, lined up a lot with basketball this weekend. So I always hate talking about games live while they're happening, but we'll see how things go with uh, the women's game probably
0: wrapping up here in a moment. Tyler, how are you this evening? I'm good, Adam. Women's basketball is in a nail biter. Just going under one minute in the final stretch of this game against Texas. Fantastic basketball game. Shout out to Jenny Baranchek's group. Uh, But yeah, things are good, man. Uh, Super busy up here. It's nice that uh, I think winter is finally, we're on the other side of this thing, spring. Uh, is in full effect here coming up pretty shortly. That means golf is going to be taking place. You know that always makes me happy. So, yeah, man, things are good. We're just a few more weeks away from the guys getting back out on the practice field, spring football getting underway. Uh, And as everybody looks forward to that April 20th spring game coming up here, a chance to see, you know, Jackson Arnold, what he looks like, some new faces that were part of this recruiting class that Oklahoma just signed a lot of excitement around this program right now. Oh, and by the way, Oklahoma softball is just moving into a mansion, as Patty Gasso called it (laughs) uh, this upcoming weekend. So a lot of good things going on right now at OU. I can't wait to dive into it. Well, let's t- tell all those players that are about to run out onto the practice field here
1: in a few weeks where they should go uh, and whether they should be on the bench or on the starting field let's do our defensive depth chart predictions yeah. uh, if you missed last week we did the offensive depth chart so you'll see that in your podcast feed if you're listening there or if you're watching on youtube you can find it right here on the red dirt media channel uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the graphic here i'll make it a little bit larger here for those yeah. that are watching uh basically on the uh you know here's what we've predicted now of course Look at this. And unlike offense, unlike wide receiver, probably where it's just stacked across that wide receiver room, uh, we look at this and we go, okay, well, hmm, I see, you know, a name that maybe should uh, shouldn't be on there that is on there or maybe a guy that. Uh, is playing at a different position, or maybe there's someone that's not listed, then you look at it and go, okay, where is that guy? Why isn't he number one on the depth chart? Um, We're just purely guessing here. It's kind of what we think will shake out at the end of the day. There's a lot of moving parts. And honestly, that's a good thing if we think there's somebody that's maybe not listed at all on this graphic uh, that could be a starter, because that means there's a ton of depth across the board for this defensive unit. So uh, that's a good thing. I'm sure we'll get lots of comments uh, both on YouTube and uh, on Twitter when we post this uh, later on in the week. But, uh, Tyler, let's start with that defensive line, uh, starting in the defensive end position, really. You've got P.J. and Ethan Downs as your two starters, with uh, Caden Willard and, and da- R. Uh, RJ- Mason Thomas uh, backing those guys up. Yeah, Let's talk a little bit about that. A lot of guys there that maybe are on that list that could be by the time we get to that first game, though.
0: Yeah, like you said, with this defense, as we go through spring football starting up here in a couple of weeks, this is going to be fast changing. This is, you know, this is going to be an opportunity for a lot of these guys. You know, some some of these guys that are proven veterans, you know, like a DeJon Terry, you know, like a um, you know a Caden Wooler transferring in that's you know played a lot of football at the collegiate level. You know, I think that it, we do kind of want to start out this. Uh, this segment here, talking about the news that kind of came out of the Brent Venables interview that he did with Gabe Eichert and Teddy Lehman uh, that released a little bit earlier today on the Oklahoma Breakdown. It sounds like all indications that, you know, uh, number 95, Dejon or excuse me, number uh, Jacob Lacey. Uh, is actually looking towards possibly retiring for medical issues. Sounds like the blood clots are, are continuing to, you know, kind of be a problem for, uh, for for Jacob. So ultimately, you know, that's that's a horrible thing for for Jacob, you know, as a person, uh, but also as a football player with what he's done, you know, in his short amount of time at the University of Oklahoma. I know that a lot of people around the program, a lot of fans, especially, were excited about what Jacob was going to be able to do going into this upcoming season. He's, you know, he's perfect frame. For what you want in a in an interior defensive lineman in the sec so we'll see how it ultimately shakes out we'll wait for something to you know to, to be announced but when you look at the guys that Oklahoma is going to be rotating in Todd Bates and Miguel Chavez's room over the course of spring football, a lot of really, really good pieces that these coaches are going to have at their disposal. You talk about, you know, the edge guys, and this is something that has really kind of been a, I don't want to say it's plagued Oklahoma over the last few years, but really outside of Eric Stryker, Oboe, uh, if you want to throw, um, if you want to throw Nick Benito in there as well, uh, as well, Oklahoma really hasn't had a true difference maker that's been a consistent disruptor on the edge in terms of getting after the quarterback. And I think that Oklahoma has got a couple of guys in that room right now in a PGA at or a guy, you know, like an R. Mason Thomas, who, you know, when this kid is healthy, you see what that high motor that, you know, that build, that versatility is how, you know, elite of an edge player he can actually become. So, again, I, I'm very, very confident, very excited about the edge guys. It's the interior, Adam, where I think a lot of um, – there's going to be a lot of different uh, different decisions that have to be made, a lot of different rotations that, that are going to have to, you know, kind of come together. Obviously, a lot of the focus that, uh, going into this spring football is going to be, okay, what are the true freshmen like? We've been, You know, we've been talking about it for the last 18 months, you know, how – how big of a priority Oklahoma's coaching staff made that defensive line group for the 2024 class. And the fact that you've got David Stone, Jane Jackson, Nigel Smith uh, coming in that are going to be a key part of this, getting early reps in spring football, very excited to see what these guys are going to look like. And then we haven't even touched on, you know, some of the guys that are going to be coming back like a DeJon Terry, like a Grayson Halton. This is going to be a very, very fun position battle to watch over the course of these next six to eight months. Because I think that while Oklahoma does have a lot of talent, they also have a lot of inexperience. And it's just a matter of how fast can this coaching staff get these guys to grow up. That way they're ready to go uh, come the month of September. Yeah. Unfortunately with
1: um, the potential retirement there from Jacob Lacey, that, you know, is a guy that's got a lot of experience and, Uh, leadership from that role so you'd like to say okay Grayson Holton like here's your time to uh, show the internal growth uh, that this program is developing he's a guy who's going to go into his third year as a Sooner and um, kind of pave the way potentially for more guys like David Stone or Jane Jackson Mm -hmm. or maybe even Nigel Smith if he's a guy that slides inside there I think that's probably where he ultimately ends up on this defense Uh, but um, and then then you look at the outside like Daniel Okoye Um, you know, he's kind of described as that freak of nature. Like, is he going to be able to push some of those guys on the outside there? So I I think there's a lot of pieces there. There's a lot of different ways you could look at that. Um, Not all these freshmen are going to have a big impact in year one. I I still don't, I'm trying to think of anybody on the defensive side of the ball that I I really can't think of any so far in Brent Venable's two years that year one as a true freshman has made a big impact. Now we haven't had as many of these like, Elite top fifteen, top ten exactly. type of defenders yet. So maybe that could change, um, but it is diff- is still a difficult thing to do. So we saw it last year with PJ. Um, maybe having a year that maybe we weren't quite expecting doesn't mean he's a bust or they you know done or anything like that. Like some yeah. guys just develop at different rates than others. So I don't think it should surprise OU fans if. David Stone has kind of a quiet year and maybe someone else like Grayson Olton has a great year. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see. And I think there's probably going to be another piece that's added to this team in the spring portal window, because you just need some more depth, especially when you lose a guy that's probably expected to be a starter like Jacob Lacey is. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. As far as, as far as anyone else on that defensive line, um, I I know we've named a a bunch of names there, but um, our Mason Thomas, I think you want to get him healthy. Anyone else that maybe is top of mind for you there that you think, hey, this spring portal season is is really important there that – or not portal season, but spring practice season rather. (laughs) is really important that they really show
0: out and and develop and carve out their role on this starting defensive line unit. Uh, For me, I think that this one's pretty easy. It's got to be P.J., right? I mean, make no mistake about it. He was the five-star. He was the guy that was so highly touted, highly sought after amongst all the elite programs across college football. A guy that really – You know, coming into this past season, you know, he was a guy over the course of the year, his his playing time, you started to see the level of production go up, you started to see the number of snaps continue to rise. And this is a guy that really, Adam, you could you could even make the claim that this is a guy that doesn't even truly know how good he can be or really how even that that edge position is played at such an elite level. He's got all the measurables. He's got the athleticism, the versatility to be able to, you know, both get after the quarterback but also, you know, be a force in setting the edge in the running game. So I think that P.J. is a guy where when you go from year one as a true freshman, that jump that you make, in that first full offseason that you have – you get the extra, you get the extra reps, you get that extra coaching uh, with with the staff and with the strength and development bunch that, that that you know you just simply didn't have a year ago. I think that PJ's a guy that it is absolutely critical. He's the guy on that defense that takes the next step going into the next season because when you look at the schedule and it's a daunting schedule that Oklahoma has in front of them. There's a reason why Vegas had the over under set at six and a half now up to seven and a half. There's a lot of really good football teams. I think Brennan Venable said that there's six top fifteen teams on Oklahoma schedule next year so it's there's not going to be any cupcakes maybe outside of Maine it's going to be a fun it's going to be a tough grueling schedule from uh, from top to bottom next year and Adam we haven't even talked about Ethan Downs or Trace Ford so again we talk about competitive depth being a part of this program being a focal point of this program with what Brent Venables is trying to do transforming this roster uh yeah it's it's going to be a lot of fun a lot of tools uh in the tool belt to play with it's going to be a lot of fun to watch these guys Trace. Ford oh, she like- hit it. She hit it. <laughs> sorry. That- I'm sorry. Sorry I- for everybody watching.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's bad, pos- bad podcasting, bad YouTubing or, or great oh, YouTubing. We'll see, but fantastic. yeah, we're watching a uh, women's basketball reacting to that live as uh, three pointers hit there for Oklahoma take the lead with four and a half seconds left. Uh, we'll try to try to keep it here on football trace Ford, <laughs> he does feel like the he does feel like the forgotten guy in that room right now like he, he had a
0: cleanup surgery this offseason yeah. so he's gonna be healthy and, and,
1: and health's always been the issue for him um he's got talent like he showed that in his first yep. year or two at oklahoma state and then like injuries just started piling up and he really never really had the production after that point there so um you kind of wonder about like okay he's he's I, um, I think, honestly, a lot of OU fans probably just forgot he was even on the team because he was a super senior. Now he's like that six-year COVID senior. So, I don't know. You just wonder, like, does he have something in the tank left?
0: Well, and I think another guy that kind of falls into that same category, he obviously hasn't played, you know, the same amount of football as an Ethan Downs or even a Trace Ford. But I think that this is another big offseason, a critical spring practice, uh, you know, kind of training camp, for lack of a better word, for a guy like Grayson Halton, who a guy coming in, you know, had um, wasn't necessarily the highest recruiter g- reg- guy, but he was also a player that in Brent's first year as head coach, you know, having Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis, Grayson Halton was a guy that they thought was a bona fide steal that they were able to get towards the end of that uh, that recruiting cycle. Um, so again, this is a guy he's been in the program for over two years now. He's put on the weight. He's got the frame. Obviously, he's got to get a little bit stronger. Got a little. Got to get a little bit more mobile in the weight room this offseason. But making no mistake about it, Grayson Halton. This is a guy much like we talked about with PJ. This offseason is where, you know, you can really kind of uh, kind of, you know, set the table for yourself uh, to have an impact type year for this football team going forward and they're going to need him, especially like we talked about you lose Jacob bless Lacy if he, you know, ultimately ends up medically retiring, you know, it's a next man up mentality, so Grayson Halton, uh this is your time, buddy. Let's go. Let's take a brief break from the defensive
1: depth chart. We'll finish that defensive line group and move on to linebackers here, but Oklahoma gets the win as we react live on the show here in, uh, in women's basketball over Texas. Uh, that means they clinched the big 12 title in the regular season An excellent, excellent uh, finish there. Oh, you trailed most of the game there. Uh, Texas's size really uh, gave the Sooners a lot of problems there, but um, Oklahoma able to just, you know, weather the storms hit a lot of three pointers. Uh, if you're looking for fun basketball to watch, in an OU jersey, it's the women's team. you got to be watching this team. because percent uh, Far more entertaining product right now than the men's. Um, that's not really a knock on, on men's. That's kind of how the men's sport is right now. And, and the way that Jenny Bronchak has constructed this Sooners basketball team, they're, they're just a blast to watch. you got players all over the place that are, are contributing there. I think, as I'm watching live, I think it was Lexi Keys that hit the game winner there yep. uh, with four and a half seconds left. So uh, incredible job from, from Jenny and the girls.
0: Yeah, Adam, I mean, I don't think it has as much to do about, you know, this this being the better basketball program at this school right now just because the men's team is down. I think that this – you just really have to highlight the fact that what Jenny Baranchek has done – and we'll get back to football here in a second, but obviously this, you know, this is this is happening live. Oklahoma wins the Big 12 championship, hitting a last second three to knock off the University of Texas. You know, back-to-back Big 12 championships the first time that they've done this since 2006, 2007. And again, Jeannie Bronchek, who she's got to be on the short list, not just for, you know, Big 12 coach of the year. She's going to get that. But you also have to make a claim that this has an opportunity for her to be in the national coach of the year discussions, because this was a program. This was going to be a team coming into the 2024 season that not a lot of people were high on. They weren't near the top as far as preseason picks to win this conference. And they started out the year a little bit tough, uh, ultimately, you know, dropped a few games that they ultimately shouldn't have. But this team continued to battle. Jenny put them in some good positions. A lot of young players were able to grow up. They were able to rely on some of the veteran experience that they've got. And uh, lo and behold, this team, you know, just won their second consecutive Big 12 championship. So um, there's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of excitement. going to be a lot of fun watching this team uh, progress into the month of March, Uh, but make no mistake about it. This is, this is a fun scene to watch right now on ESPN plus. So huge shout out to Jenny Baranchek and the, Big 12 champion women's basketball team. Lexi Keys hit that shot almost at the exact
1: same spot that uh, McCollum hit his game winner uh, against OSU and Stillwater. So uh, wow. two really incredible clutch shots there from three-point range. Oklahoma, before this game, projected as a number six seed in Corvallis, uh, Oregon. Uh, so uh, you'd have to think beating the number three team in the country uh, projects or jumps you up to probably in that host territory of at least a four seed. I would like to think maybe even Oklahoma can- find their way into a three or two seed with a win sure. at Kansas this Saturday and have a nice showing in the big 12 tournament as well. So um, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a lot more about women's basketball, especially absolutely. next week as they're just absolutely surging right now. Probably won't have very much men's basketball talk on tonight's show, just because it's, it's hard to do that. They're they're going to be live um, still when we finish the show. So it probably won't cover that very much. Let's talk about uh, going back to football here. Let's talk about the linebackers position and we'll group the Ooh. cheetah position in with the linebackers here because um, they're kind of a, uh, an x factor for this defense um so before we talk about that though uh tyler i want to tell you about our sponsor here at the mainline. it's factor meals uh they're quick they're easy they're they're no mess uh, they deliver them right to your door there's 55 plus meals that you can choose from uh, they're delicious they're chef inspired and I, I tasted six of them last week they were incredible <laughs> I hope my mom's not watching because oh. I ate more zucchini, more green beans, uh, more vegetables in general than I pretty much ever eat. Um, and she knows me. I'm one of the pickiest eaters out there. So I loved it. It was all delicious. It's actually cheaper than doing takeout. So it's great to take with you to work or, um, you know, on a crazy weeknight. It's, it's great
0: meals to have. Uh, so we love having Factor here as one of our sponsors. Adam, you know, in the day and age where everybody is so busy, you know, with work and family life, so many extracurriculars going on, uh, you you know, it it kind of it's easy to fall into a habit of not having the healthiest diet. But this is where factor meals comes into effect. Uh, Quick, convenient quality ingredients, super nutritious. Adam, what were some of your favorite meals that you try? Because there's a lot of variety that factor, you know, puts into effect for these guys the garlic pesto pork chops
1: were really Ooh. good. Uh, had a cauliflower rice with it. Um, I don't think I've ever thought like, Oh man, I want waiting to eat cauliflower rice, but it was really good. Um, I even enjoyed the the Caribbean tofu. I I've never really had, or, or explored much into tofu, but I was like, okay, that's, that's kind of got some nice flavor to it even. Um, and then I actually really liked all their green beans. Um, they had three different types of green beans, uh, that I had across the different meals that I had and they were, they were excellent. Um, Probably my favorite dish out of all of them, though, uh, was the sun-dried tomato chicken uh, in a creamy sauce. Ooh. It was amazing. So um, thanks to Factor Meals for sponsoring the Mainline. They've actually hooked us up here with a special code that you guys can use as listeners to get 50% off. Um, all you have to do is head to factormeals.com mainline50, and you could use code mainline50 to get 50% off. Uh, That's code mainline50 at factormeals.com slash mainline50 to get 50% off. We've got that linked in the show notes, uh, both on YouTube and on the podcast. So make sure you're checking out Factor Meals. So we appreciate them sponsoring the show. Let's talk about the linebackers there, that cheetah position, kind of the X factor uh, one there. I'll throw this back up here so people can see this. But uh, at the cheetah position, I know we're going to get some comments. We're probably going to get some people saying, oh, where's Kendall Dolby? uh, Venables just mentioned him there. I think that's very fluid. You know, he's probably going to get some opportunities there, but maybe he ends up more at safety where we have him listed actually here. But we've got Dasan McCullough, number one, uh, and then Justin Harrington, number two, at that cheetah position. But I think there's, I I think everything's kind of up for grabs on that cheetah position uh, as far as where we are today.
0: Yeah, and I think that the cheetah position is going to be one where you're going to see three, possibly even four guys, you know, battling for playing time. And I think that this is going to be a position group, Adam, where, you know, as you go through the course uh, of this 14-game season, hopefully we, know, we hope that it's more – uh, but th- this is going to be a position group where the, the guy that you on- see on the field it's going to be heavily predominant. You know, based on the team that we're playing, the matchup. Uh, you know, whatever scheme that we're running against the opponent that weekend. So, you know, you look at a guy like Deson McCullough, who he's very very good. He's gifted. He's a you know he's a more talented player at the cheetah position when he's playing up there near the box at the line of scrimmage. But would you you know get him out? you know, being forced to play man coverage down the field. That's where you start to see Desaun, you know, struggle a little bit. And to no fault of his own, I mean, you look at the size and the frame. I mean, it's hard at a guy that big, that fast, that strong to be able to run with some of these elite, you know, wide receivers up and down the field. So, again, Desaun is ultimately he's going to be there. It's going to be very excited to see what Brent Venables, how creative he and new defensive coordinator Zach Alley, what they choose to do with him. Because I think that he's a guy, depending on the matchup, you could kind of sneak in there at one of the linebacker positions, or you could put him there maybe at edge and get him up there closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, Whatever you've got to do to, you know, generate stops, get some quarterback pressure, Desan McCullough is going to be a nice tool that Brent Venables is going to be able to play with. And then you look at a couple of the other guys as well. Justin Harrington tore his ACL a year ago, hasn't gotten word back from the NCAA, but Brent Venables said today, they fully expect for him to be joining them as a part of this team for this upcoming fall. And then the guy that doesn't really get enough credit or, you know, really get enough, uh, you know, conversation about him is Kendall Dolby, a guy that, you know, came in from the JUCO ranks. He was a guy that Brent Venable said they wanted to be able to start him out playing on the perimeter, maybe possibly corner, uh, but was, you know, kind of the way that the year unfolded he just kind of slid into that cheetah position and really just kind of took the baton and ran with it. He played that well consistently uh, for, for the entire season. So again, uh, this is going to be another opportunity for these guys. We've, you know, we've heard that there's a, even some possibility the fact that Woody Washington could even be, you know, battling for a little bit of that cheetah uh, spot as well. So we'll see how this thing plays out. They've got a lot of depth, not something that we're used to at Oklahoma, you know, over the last five or six years with Lincoln Riley, you know, as the head football coach, but Oklahoma, led led by Brent Venables, led by Brandon Hall and Jay Valai. They've you know really upgraded the talent level in the back end of that defense. So when you look at it, I think Dasan McCullough is probably your starter. Kendall Dovey your nickel guy, kind of coming in on the obvious passing downs. But, Adam, if you want to go inside and you want to look at this linebacker position, what a difference a couple of year makes. We've got some good quality competitive depth right there, even behind Danny Stutzman and Kip Lewis
1: yeah absolutely we only went too deep on all these different position groups so at middle linebacker kip lewis backed up by jaron kanik and then at uh, the will danny Stussman backed up by kobe mckenzie i know some people will say like yeah they're probably gonna swap danny's gonna play in the middle kip's gonna play on the outside maybe that's the case we saw that at times last year so uh, again i think there's a lot of fluidity here both on where guys are playing what the positions are called and also who's backing them up um, but I think you feel really great about, okay, you've got Danny and Kip, two highly productive guys that um, absolutely shined. Um, you, they popped off the screen constantly over and over again. Um, and, and Danny's a guy that we talked about you know, before the season last year that it was going to be a legacy year for him. Were we going to remember him more like Curtis Lofton and Travis Lewis and Rocky Calmus and those types of uh, great elite Brent Venables linebackers? Or was he going to be maybe a guy that was like, man, he had good potential, but he just didn't live up to it. And he proved us that or proved it that, hey, he is going to be remembered as one of those elite guys. So, Tyler, my question to you on, on Danny specifically, like what more do you want to see out of him uh, specifically from his game on the field this year? Um, I know Butkus is obviously like the, the benchmark there, but what do you want to see out of his game that, that maybe improves or changes this year?
0: Yeah, I think I just want to see him take that next step. Obviously, the the improvement that he made from year one to year two in this Brent Venables defense. I mean, the, the sky's the limit for this kid. So you would have to think another year with Jerry Schmidt, another offseason in the film room with Brent Venables, continuing to, you know, to learn this defense, you know, focus on your keys, learn tendencies, know what to look for, know where you've got leverage, know where you've got help coming from. I think that confidence is probably the thing that's only going to make Danny, you know, that much better this season because he's going to be a lot more comfortable. You know, make no mistake about it. I know the Jackson Arnold. Anytime you're the quarterback at the University of Oklahoma, you know you're the you're the face of the program. You're the face of the university. You're ultimately kind of the face of the state of Oklahoma. Uh, but make no mistake about it. This is Danny Stutzman's football team going into this upcoming season. He's the guy. He's the leader. He's the captain of that football team. Where Danny goes, this team will follow. And I think that you know this is going to be a huge year for him. The SEC linebacker play—it's just—it's just just different when you talk about elite guys in the SEC, like at your Georgias, your Alabamas. You know, this is where the bread is buttered in this league on defense. So you just hope that you know Danny, you know, continues uh, to to use these next five to six months because he's got all the tools in the world to be an all-SEC linebacker. Uh, It's just a matter of you know what can he do both physically and mentally. To take advantage of these next six months because this is going to be a big, a uh, big season for him. Uh, and you know, kind of like I said, as Danny goes, this team goes. And for Oklahoma's defense to perform the way that we expect them to, Danny's going to have to have a huge year. And I would expect nothing less.
1: Brad in the chat there alluding to the amount of depth in that linebacker room. You've got Kobe McKenzie and Jaron Cannick as far as the two backups that we had on our, our yep. list there, but you've also got Lewis Carter and Samuel Masigo and Phil Pachotti mm-hmm. and uh, Connor Near still on the roster there. Uh, Taylor Masterless. Heim. Uh, yeah. You just got tons of guys that are, are just stacking up at that position there. So I think one thing that's going to be interesting and curious to watch, especially in the spring is like, and, and early in the fall too, like, maybe who's maybe a potential portal risk, but also for the guys that do stick around, what does it look like to be successful if you're Jaron Canick and you're not the starter? Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's room. I think we saw, um, you know, Kip Lewis had opportunities before he became the starter there. Kobe Mm -hmm. McKenzie had his moments and was never a starter. So I think there's room and opportunity for those guys to make an impact still as second stringers.
0: I think that the biggest difference that Oklahoma fans are going to be able to see this upcoming fall, you know, a year ago, Going into that season and Brent Venables kind of alluded to it. He was scared to death of one of his starting linebackers going down just because simply the the depth, the experience behind them wasn't that good to begin with. And this was a, this was a starting duo that featured Jaron Canick, who had never really started a game at linebacker to begin with. And, this is you know this is going to be a position group where you just simply don't have that problem anymore because of how well they've continued to recruit each of the last couple of seasons where you're going to have four maybe even five guys because Brents Extremely high on Lewis Carter, what he's been you know what he's been able to do this offseason. He continues to progress, but I think that this is going to be a linebacker core that you can realistically expect to see four, maybe even five guys on any given Saturday, because in this league, the level of physicality, some of the you know the brand of football was you know some of the way that these teams like to run the football and, and you know pound it down your throat. Uh, you've got to be you've got to be uh, you know fundamentally sound. You've got to be talented, but you also have to be deep. As a position group, Oklahoma's linebacker core uh, seems to put the uh, you know fit the bill. Let's
1: move back to the secondary here, and we'll start in the middle here. I know this is going to get up probably uh, some raised eyebrows. We have Peyton Bowen as the second string at free safety with Robert Spears Jennings ahead of him, and then a strong safety we have Billy Bowman starting with Kendall Dolby at second string. Mm-hmm. I I kind of wonder if Justin Harrington maybe moves off that cheetah role, maybe Kendall Dolby swaps there Brent Venables kind of alluded to that earlier today in his interview, but a lot of possibilities here. And, uh, I, I don't think you, I, I, like, I'm not reading into, okay, Peyton Bowen listed second here too much as like, Oh, he's not as good as Robert Sears Jennings. I just think that there's a lot of combinations and a lot of playing time to be had from that safety mm-hmm. position. But you look at that and go, wow, pretty stacked there, at least in that top four.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, make no mistake about it. It feels like this is a common theme, at every single position group on defense, it's the quality depth that has been built in each of these position rooms. I mean, you you, I don't think that one enough credit is given, but you have to really, you know, hand out some flowers, you know, shower, you know, some of these coaches with some praise. Because what Brandon Hall and Jay I have done transforming this Oklahoma secondary. And again, I still think that this is going to be the position group that I. I don't want to say I have the I don't have the the most questions about going into the SEC, but I think for Oklahoma to be able to you know be that top ten, top twenty defense in year one in the SEC, it's a huge part of that's going to be dictated upon how well this team defends the pass uh, on, on Saturdays this upcoming fall, but. The fact that you were able to get Billy Bowman to come back for one more year, Woody Washington coming back for one more year, those are two guys that are firmly cemented as starters for this defense going into the, you know going into this upcoming season. Gentry Williams he had the off season shoulder surgery; he's going to miss spring football. Many people will think, okay, well that's kind of a that's kind of a bummer for Gentry, but I think that you want to look on the flip side here. Gentry is going to be ready for fall camp; he's going to be ready. You know what a healthy Gentry Williams looks like. But the fact that he is going to miss spring practice, and you're going to be able to give guys like Makari Vickers, like Des Malone, like Josiah Wagner, and or even a guy like Jacoby Johnson, who physically, you know, that's that's what you want in an All SEC type cornerback. Uh, so again, look at a glass half full approach here. The fact that Gentry Williams, he is going to be out for this, you know, this upcoming spring ball, that's only going to make the guys behind them that much better because they're going to get the extra coaching. They're going to get the extra reps. So, but make no mistake about it. When this thing kicks off, I fully expect Woody and Gentry to be your two corners. Safety, God, I'm excited talking about the amount of depth on this football team and the amount of quality, talented depth not the fact that when somebody goes down you think that the the backup's going to be a liability no you're going to have Billy Bowman coming back you've got Robert Spears Jennings you know coming back that you know i think that many people think that he's going to be the guy opposite of uh, of Billy oh and by the way we're we're totally forgetting about Peyton Bowen and what he's going to be able to do going from year 1 to year 2 Kendall Dolby Justin Harrington Jaden Hardy I mean, sky's the limit. There's going to be a lot of – this is going to be a good position battle. Maybe not necessarily figuring out who the starters are going to be, but who's going to be a guy that emerges, that kind of comes out of nowhere, that builds upon what they did a year ago, and can come in and be a quality three or four, be a nice steady rotation guy that uh, can get on the field Saturdays.
1: Guy we haven't mentioned there is Kenai Walker, um, played a lot at cornerback and on the depth chart that we have, we didn't list him in the top two there. We had McCarty nope. Vickers and Des Malone backing up, uh, Woody Washington and Gentry Williams. So I I think there's just so much shuffling that's potentially going to happen here, but uh, all in good in, in mm-hmm. good instances. You know, it's not a oh man we just, we can't find anybody at this you know field corner position. Let's just you know shuffle guys around. It's like okay. We've got Kendall Dolby. Maybe he's not going to be able to get on the field at Cheetah. Well, let's see if we can get him on the field at safety. Or if he's not a fit there, like we need depth at corner as well. I, I think corner is probably the one position where you go, okay, there's there's a lot less proven talent there. You have guys that you think really highly of and like McCari or Jacoby Johnson, yeah. but they just haven't played em, uh, enough yet. So we don't really know what they are. Um, but I, I think there is some high end talent. I think you have enough dudes there that you can feel like, okay, we can go down to third string. You know, on probably both sides of the ball there on corner and say, OK, we think we have somebody, you know, if it's not the second string guy, third string guy, we'll, we'll find a, a way to get on there. Or maybe we have Kendall Dolby. That's our Swiss Army knife that we can move around pretty much anywhere and, and find success. So
0: uh, immense depth across the board on the defensive side of the ball. And Anything we didn't else? we didn't even mention Michael boganowski uh, as, as part of that conversation as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Again, Tons of freshmen to too. Yeah. Adam, if there's, if there's one position group that you think Oklahoma could possibly lose a guy in the transfer portal come springtime, or maybe this is a position group where it's imperative that Oklahoma test the waters with some of the guys that are going to enter the portal here in the next couple of months. For me, I think the obvious answer is the defensive line room, particularly on the interior side. But do you think Oklahoma needs to be aggressive or maybe try to add one more body that can come in and help them? Yeah, I think defensive line
1: is is the most obvious one there, um, especially on the defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Linebacker is the position group where I'm, I'm more cautious about, like, are we going to lose someone from that room? Because I think there's studs, and I think Jaron Kanek is a stud. I think he could go play at a lot of different schools right now, um, maybe not in the SEC potentially, or you know, I'm, I'm sure Mississippi State would probably love to have him. Like, I, I don't think he's a, a low-quality player whatsoever. I think he's probably got a future. He's going to have some moments at OU uh it may be that this is the year that maybe he he kind of slows down takes off maybe red shirts i saw uh, someone threw that out in the chat uh here earlier but um you know he there's pr-
0: there's lots of guys there he probably could have been your best tied in last season if he played that position <laughs> for for being honest here but we'll, we'll save that for another day no maybe we, you know you you talk about it as as guys continue to grow they continue to develop and the game does slow down for him so again you know, J- Jaron Kanick, as good as he was, you know, he he had a few bad stretches of football last season. But what more, you know, that's what you should come to expect from a guy, you know, at the Division One Power Five level playing football, playing inside linebacker. And, and, and of all places, you're playing at the University of Oklahoma, being coached by Brent Venables, arguably the greatest defensive coordinator of all time, but one of the best all-time linebacker coaches as well. So he was drinking from a fire hose all of last season. The game's going to slow down for him. I would expect Jaron to look a lot more comfortable, be able to play a lot faster this upcoming season.
1: Absolutely. I guess one quick question here before we move off of football and talk softball, special teams, because we're not really going to do like a special one show dedicated to just the special teams. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's super interesting to talk about like who's going to be the kicker, who's going to be the punter, or anything like that. Kick returner, punt returner, who are your two guys for that right now?
0: Dion Burks and Billy Bowman.
1: So okay, this is interesting. You said this again uh last preseason that you wanted Billy Bowman returning kicks. So that's still the case, and you'd rather have Deion Burks doing punts, it sounds like
0: I, I would say I would or, I would prefer flip-flop. to have I, I would flip-flop it. I would have I would have Deion Burks catching punts. I would have Billy Bowman returning kicks in a sense. And I know that I've always been for you know a lot of our listeners that have been you know following this podcast for a long time, I've kind of been in the boat of you never want to put your best players in that, you know, in that return game type role just because of the risk factor of them getting injured. But when you watch Billy Bowman play, and this goes all the way back to his time at Didn't Geyer, but especially a year ago watching him with the ball in his hands after making an interception, uh, the one against TCU is the one that comes to top of mind with you know how electric this guy is you know as a uh, <laughs> as a runner uh, when he's got the ball in his hands you got to figure out a way especially in the SEC where you know coaching is going to be one of the biggest difference makers in ter- in you know determining wins or losses but special teams as well could be the difference of winning one or two more ball games as opposed to losing them so again give me Deion Burks returning punts give me Billy Bowman and Deion Burks uh, back their returning kicks as well. I'm sure we'll have a lot of time to unpack that later in future episodes. Yeah, we'll, dive so we'll, into we'll go too team. far on that, but I thought
1: I wanted to get your pulse on that right now. Let's talk about softball, uh, Love's field opening day coming up here. Uh, there's going to be some really long lines waiting to get into that stadium, waiting yeah. to get in for the opening ceremonies there. Um, before we dive into that, how about a place that's not going to have any lines, though? That's going to be quick, going to get you <laughs> in and out. 29th Street Tag Agency. There are other sponsor here at the main line, so we appreciate them. Um, they're located in South Oklahoma City. They're uh, right next door to an insurance agency, so you can knock out all your automobile needs all in one place. Um, they're linked in our show notes. You can book your appointment online. I know we got a lot of people probably driving down to Norman for uh, some softball games on Friday. Um, You might be able to knock out your driver's license, your tags, whatever else you need on your way down there. So check out 29th Street Tag Agency. As far as softball goes, big weekend, historic weekend for the program. Loves field opening up. It's going to be special. The scoreboard looks awesome. It looks iconic. It's going to be the new cathedral when it comes to softball across not just college, but high school, professional, the entire world, like the globe, the best softball stadium in all of uh, the entire earth is going to be in Norman, Oklahoma, which is pretty special for all that Patty has built for this program. Every player that's been a part of that, every coach that's been a part of that. Uh, every fan that's probably been supporting and has season tickets for you know longer than this stretch run of, of dominance um, it, it's it's a really special moment for the program and for the school.
0: yeah, it's a huge moment and I, I highly encourage all of our listeners out there to, to look up go to YouTube check out Patty Gasso's press conference that she delivered yesterday when talking about the uh, you know not not just how nice, loves field is going to be and again if you're going to be in attendance this weekend i'm jealous i wish i would was going to be in norman for that it's going to it's going to be a fantastic event but you know it, it, it's been so nice oklahoma softball they have long been the standard in terms of how you play the game of softball how you win championships how you you know find consistency in dominance as a softball program. But it's, it's nice to see that this is going to be a weekend that's been a long time coming. When you talk about how this is a program that started out at Reeves Park uh, where you know, they, didn't even have, they didn't even have the ability you know, to, to dress at that, at that stadium. They had to get dressed at home or get dressed on campus and then go over there. And the fact that they didn't even have the ability to fit the entire team into a dugout. Patty said that they had you know, a handful of girls that had to sit out there with the fans just because there was simply not enough room. You How make cool the transi- would that be nowadays, though? <laughs> oh, absolutely! I mean, you would have you would have people, you know, it would almost be an auction vying vying for those seats to try to get access to be able to sit there, you know, that close to some of the players. But they make the transition over to Marita Hines, and you talk about the national championships that have been won. A dynasty has been created at Marita Hines. You talk about the coaches. You talk about some of the all time greats, not just at Oklahoma not just in softball, but some of the all-time greats in women's athletics whatsoever. Chamberlain, Aloe, Ke- Keelani Ricketts, Paige Parker, Sid Romero, I'll throw her in there as well. This stadium that Oklahoma fans are about to walk into this upcoming weekend, just like the, just like the Oklahoma softball program as a whole being the pinnacle, being the elite program in college softball, this facility is going to be unmatched across the board in, in terms of collegiate softball. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. There's not a program on campus. There's not a coach on campus that deserves what she is getting more than Patty gas on this weekend. When you see what she has done starting out at the university of Oklahoma, a long, long time ago with what she's built, the uh, sustained level of success and dominance, uh, it's, it, I mean, it, it almost kind of brings tears to your eyes when you really think about how far this program has come and what Patty has built, and now they finally have the stadium that they deserve, and uh, it's going to help with recruiting. It's gonna, it's gonna help the fan experience. I'm just worried, Adam, that they didn't make it big enough. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I, I
1: love Oui Softball. I know there's a lot of fans that are involved there, but. Uh, that's a lot of seats for softball, a sport that you know doesn't draw that much nationally. I know you fans are, are supported really well, but I'm curious to see how that goes. Like, is every game going to be an automatic sellout for the rest of the year? Like, I- I'm curious because I already saw standing room only tickets for yep. uh, the opener on Friday. We're down to like thirty two dollars earlier on StubHub, mm-hmm. so uh, we'll see how that holds. Um, I'm still very optimistic there. Who do you think it's the uh, the first home run there in the new stadium?
0: I, th- I think it's going to be Kenzie Hansen. Okay. Just 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 taking a flyer here. I'm I'm going to go with Kenzie Hansen on this, but uh, again, and that's another thing that's going to be fun. That's going to be something that, you know, Patty's going to have to kind of juggle as well. You know, it, it's going to be it's going to be I don't know if it's necessarily going to be tough, but the uh, the um, the opportunity there to you know possibly just kind of find yourself caught up in okay we're playing in this brand new stadium it's a huge upgrade this is the you know this is the best facility in college softball but also at the same time you got a game to play you got to go out there and you gotta kick somebody's ass this upcoming weekend so again I think that Kinsey Hansen hits hits the first home run who starts in the circle for Oklahoma who do you give the ball to it's got it
1: it's gotta be I would May, say right? May. Yeah. Gotta be May. Yeah, I would go May. with Nicole and I I'll be bold. I'll say the first home run goes to Jada Coleman. Uh she, didn't, first, just she first did first pitch. First pitch, yeah. <laughs> she didn't start out the uh the, the top of the order on the most recent uh game that they had, but traditionally that's where she is in, in the number mm-hmm. one position. And I feel like that's probably the right move. Um Patty does shift the order around a lot, but I, I don't know if she'll any mind to the fact that this is the first game ever in love's field and who do you put in that first role and i feel like jada is probably the perfect person to do that um even if that order doesn't make exact sense but i feel like you do that and i feel like yeah like why not she only has one home run on the year maybe she's not she she is building up her batting average she didn't start off the greatest uh so far but she's Mm -hmm. she's working her way up to where she was previously and so uh, why not? Let's make her second home run this year, one that goes over the uh, the outfield wall at Loves Field for the first time. So, um, but yeah, I agree with you on just the overall idea that, yeah, this is a kind of a historic moment. Is there going to be too much focus on the fact that it's a new stadium? There's going to be tons of fans there. It's the home opener, um, and then facing you across the field in the other dugout is a team in Liberty that really oh, has God. played the SoU team extremely tough. Um, one run games, two of <laughs> the last three times. Three times that they've played, uh, went into extra innings last year. So. Uh, the flames good program. They're seven and seven this year. They're not nearly as good. Obviously their best pitchers uh, wearing an OU uniform now. So um, I've, I've said here on the podcast too, that um, Liberty's had a better stadium than Oklahoma has for the last couple of years. So now finally that's reversed, but, uh, but yeah, you've got some tough teams there in Liberty, Louisiana's a, a tough matchup there. So you've got some tough teams across from you there. I, I wonder if OU is going to struggle with any of these matchups
0: though. I'm going to give you another bold prediction. When you talk about the the spectacle and how big of a weekend this is going to be, you know, honoring this program, honoring the coaches, the former players, I think that Oklahoma is going to do a tremendous job bringing back a, a you know a ton of alumni. They're really going to do this the right way this upcoming weekend when they, you know, for the inauguration of this ballpark. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb. And I'm going to say that all five games that they play this weekend, Oklahoma is going to play their best softball that, that we've seen all season long. I think that this is going to be five wins. Five run rule wins, run rule all five games Ooh. this weekend.
1: <laughs> that would be incredible uh, because that's that's in- extremely difficult. I also mm-hmm. think there's still a lot of questions for this team. Yeah, they've been dominant. They've they've run ruled quite a few teams. They still
0: haven't played their best softball. Like no, not close. 67 so, in a row. Still not peaking. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. It's though. crazy
1: to it's crazy to say that. Yeah, it's crazy to say that. Um, time for
0: some baseball talk. Ooh. Do I? I feel like I always have to ask permission about baseball, but. I mean, they're fun. They're fun to watch. Smooth, smooth transition, you know. Done are the days of you know this being Adam's optimism, where you've got to come into the, each one of these episodes and try to find a silver lining when talking about this baseball team. Adam, you that take like three, three out of, years ago.
1: I know. I know. It's been a while. I know. Yeah. Skip
0: Johnson's done a hell of a job, you know, over the last couple of seasons. But Adam, you take three out of four against Wright State. If you're Skip Johnson sitting here right now, you're five and three. You're headed to Vegas this weekend. What's the mood around this baseball team? Are you encouraged? Is there some st- There's ultimately stuff that you're always going to want to work on, but uh, you know, kind of what's the temperature in the room regarding baseball right now?
1: I think you're feeling pretty good. I know, um, you know guys like Joe Healy over at uh, D1 Baseball have kind of doubted this team offensively as to like what kind of power they have, and you're still not going to know fully what that looks like just two weekends into the year, but we've now had seven different players that have hit a home run, You've got John Mm -hmm. Spikerman that's on fire hitting 517 Michael Snyder, the Washington transfer that has played both third base and first base. Now he's hitting 429 and then Jackson Nicholas coming back strong in year three after his sophomore slump hitting 400 uh, now. So I I think you really like what you're seeing out of that, that, that trio right there. And then to know that, uh, you know, Bryce Madrin is playing good. He's having great at bats. He's getting walked a little bit more over the past weekend than he was getting hits, but uh, we know that he's a guy that can can go yard as well. So I think from an offensive perspective, you're liking what that looks like. One of the big questions that we talked about last week was, okay, Easton Carmichael, extremely productive hitter. Can you keep him in the lineup as a catcher, or is he going to be the designated hitter? And he played DH um, the entire weekend, I think, for the most part. Mm-hmm. But Scott Mudler was a guy that was playing great defense behind the plate there and then got his own home run uh, against Wright State. Uh, pretty much everybody was going yard against them. Uh, as a quality uh, ball team, I think that you look at Wright State and you go, I I don't know where they are. I don't know who they are or anything like Mm -hmm. that. Um, But that's a quality program. They they play in the postseason regularly. I don't think they played their best baseball whatsoever when they were in Norman. So the scores were lopsided, but you look at that and go, okay, maybe by the end of the year, that becomes a pretty solid RPI win uh, for the Sooners. And you look at that Sunday game and you go, "Eh, yeah, you would have liked to have seen some better pitching out of Jamie Hitt and Will Carson. But uh, for the most part, that was their 10th game uh, or 8th game in 10 days. They're like That's going to be really tough to, to sure. finish strong. So um, I think you feel really optimistic heading out to Las Vegas with where this team is right now. They're continuing to strike out a lot of guys at a high clip. You'd like to see some more from some of your returning pitchers like Jamie hit. Um, but, you know, it's just two weekends into the year. You have a really small sample size here. But mm-hmm. overall, I think mood is, is optimistic. <clears throat> you have some opportunity to beat some teams in Las Vegas that have names that fans are familiar with, even if they yeah. might not be the best
0: baseball programs. Anytime that you play eight games in 10 days, that's always going to take its toll on a pitching staff. Doesn't matter how good, how deep it is. I mean, that's, that's a pretty a pretty daunting task uh, that, that Oklahoma had on their plate over the last couple of weekends. But Adam, they go out to Vegas this weekend, like you alluded to matchups against Pittsburgh, California, Ohio state, Ultimately, perfect scenario. You go out there, you sweep it, you come back home riding high, continue to build that momentum. But what's, some, what's realistic expectations or what should Oklahoma fans be happy with? Is it just simply taking two out of three or does Oklahoma have a realistic chance that they should go up there and take care of business? I think two out of three is always a,
1: a great result every weekend. Uh the best of the best college baseball teams only win about 75% of their games. And we're talking like the number one most elite team last year in Wake yeah. Forest, only won 75% of their games. So winning two out of three every weekend is a great result. I think these are teams that OU has the ability to sweep. Um they're not bad programs. Even Ohio State, who's from the Big Ten, which is not considered a power conference in baseball. Uh, I think I think there's the ability there to sweep, but winning two out of three is a good result. Um, we saw Cal and Ohio State down in Frisco last year, uh, was able to get the win against Cal, lost to Ohio State. So I think revenge is on the mind for a lot of these Sooners uh, there. Uh, Pitt uh, is a team in the ACC that's not as strong. Both Pitt and Cal have good records, but the quality of those records, not not exactly super strong there. So I think it's an opportunity to uh, sweep there, especially when you don't have uh, a midweek game, you have depth and and rest across the board there uh, finally after that eight game stretch in 10 days. So I think you can absolutely go out there and sweep and that would be a fantastic result, but two out of three is still good as well.
0: I talked about opening up this episode tonight about the, the weather getting warmer conditions, being better outside, making me more excited about being able to get the golf clubs back out. Ryan Hibble and the OU men's golf program. Get the win out in Vegas over the weekend. They knock. They beat Auburn. They beat Texas by a handful of shots. Uh, huge shout out to the golf program. Ultimately, you know, excited to talk about that as we move through the course of spring practice. Adam, last thing that I have you have here for you. We worked in the ticket office. Our so, one of our sole jobs. Our biggest focuses was selling football season tickets. Was renewing season tickets. What are you giving a, on a scale of one to 10? How are you rating Jackson Arnold's ability in those cubicles in the OU to athletics ticket office? How was the, uh, how was the sales pitch?
1: I, I saw Jackson Arnold sitting in the chair that you sat in, in that same that's cube right. there. And I thought, man, that's the best seller I've ever seen sitting in that cube. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, it's. It I, I thought he was solid. He did a, he did a heck of a lot better than, uh, than Lincoln Riley did on the voicemail that we got him to record, uh, way back in the day to, to send out to fans. Uh, so yeah, Jackson Arnold, yeah. I'll give him a, I'll give him a solid A for his efforts there in the ticket office. I'm sure he realized that, uh, yeah, I need to do, make sure I'm, I'm an NFL quarterback, so I don't ever end up yeah. selling tickets in the ticket <laughs> office.
0: <laughs> do, do we want to give uh, listeners kind of a uh, little bit of a peek behind the curtain of what the the first person that he called, what the response actually was? It didn't. <laughs> I I think that's uh, that, I think that's one you keep in the vault there. We'll keep that <laughs> in the vault. But man, he got a he got a real taste of what it was like working in the ticket office on that first phone call. What uh, a lot of the stuff that you know, kind of goes on that you uh, really don't expect to have to deal with. But Jackson Arnold uh, took it in stride, you know, got a few people to renew their season tickets and palace is going to be rocking in just a few more months, baby. I'm excited. Let's do it. Well, we'll be back next week
1: to talk who knows what about football. And of course, all the things that are happening across this busy season of spring sports with baseball, softball, men's and women's basketball And who knows when golf or some other sports might uh, sprinkle their way in here as well. So we appreciate everyone joining us this week. We will see you next week for the next episode of The Mainline.